God in heaven, we just want to say thank you. Lord, oh God in heaven, we've come that you may bless us. We have come that you will learn of you, oh God. The Bible said that we should come, that indeed that we will take your yoke, for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Father God in heaven, I pray for every heavy heart, oh God, that Lord, oh God in heaven, they will receive your rest in the name of Jesus. Your words that the entrance of your word bring it light and it give it understanding to the simple. Gracious Father God in heaven, I pray that Lord you would bless us. Teach us your word, O God. May we be blessed and transformed. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And even Lord as I speak, O God in heaven, I count myself as nothing, O God. But Lord, have your way in me and let your name be exalted, O God. In Jesus' name mighty and matchless name amen quickly let's open our bibles to the book of hebrews chapter 4 we're carrying on from where we left off last week hebrews chapter 4 and we're reading from verses 1 to 11 hebrews chapter 4 we're reading from verses 1 to 11 praise god hallelujah amen okay and i read and it says therefore since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who believed do enter that rest, as he has said, for he has spoken in a certain of the seventh day in this way and god rested on the seventh day from all his works verse 5 and again in this place they shall not enter my rest since therefore it remains that some must enter it and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience again he designates a certain day saying in david Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Hallelujah. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as god did from his and verse 11 let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest any one of you fall according to the same example of disobedience may the lord bless the reading of his word in jesus mighty name amen praise god for those of us who are writing the title of my sermon this morning is faith the pillar for rest hallelujah faith the pillar for rest just to give a brief recap for those of us who perhaps today happens to be your very first sunday here or even your very first experience of the place of victory ideally here in church we love to theme our months and in this month we believe according to god's inspiration through the holy spirit that this month of june 2021 is our month of rest hallelujah in other words we are looking at god's idea of what it means to rest and i want to believe for many of us here the moment i mentioned the word rest sleep came to mind or perhaps relaxation hallelujah 
But it's much more than that. Way, way, way more than that. Hallelujah. Praise God. And one of the things that we shared last week was we began to look at the scripture. And I began to paint a picture to give an image of the nature of God in the sense that we understand that God is a responsible father. Praise God. And I remember I gave the example of a mother who is expecting her first child. Ideally, what she would do is to make sure everything she needs for that child is fully met before that child is born. Praise God. And so when we began to look at creation from Genesis chapter 1, we began to see how God, just like that expectant mother, began to lay down certain things that was necessary for the existence of mankind. Praise God. And I recall I gave the example and said that isn't it funny that God did not create Adam and Eve first. Actually, he made sure everything was ready and Adam came to meet those things. Praise God. In other words, that goes to show that everything that you and I will ever need in the cause of our human existence here, even for generations to come, God has already provided. And why do I say this? The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 that it said that, And God on the seventh day rested. Praise God. In other words, if God had to rest, that means everything he needed to do was fully done. Praise God. And so the writer of Hebrews began to paint a picture here. And he was saying that indeed that there is a rest that God has created or that God has prepared for his people. However, a certain category of people did not enjoy or benefit from that rest. As a result of disobedience. Some versions will say unbelief. Praise the Lord. Okay. And I recall I said that God does not sleep. Because if we thought that God. When he said God rested. That God slept. Then the Bible tells us here in Psalm 121. That he that keepeth Israel. He neither sleeps nor slumber. Praise God. And so God. So the rest that we are looking at here. Is not the idea that God went to sleep. No. But actually, what does this rest mean? And I remember I gave that example on the cross of Calvary. Praise God. That at the point where Jesus had finished everything he needed to do on the earth, on the cross of Calvary, according to John's account of Jesus' death, it says here from verse 28 to 30, that after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that's very key. All things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now, a vessel of full sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with the sour wine and put it on high soap and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Praise God. In other words, there is nothing else God can do or there is nothing else Jesus can do that hasn't already been done. And that is why the Bible says that and Christ is now seated in heavenly places with the Father. Praise God. Okay? And so there is nothing else that Jesus needs to do. Rather, God is now charging you and I. He's making that invitation to you, uh, to you and I. That there is a rest that I have prepared for my people. However, there is a qualification to entering that rest. 
Hallelujah. Okay? And so that just gives us a brief summary as we, as, we, as we begin to journey on what we are looking at for today. And we're looking at faith, the pillar upon which we are going to rest. Hallelujah. Okay? And so when you begin to read Hebrews chapter 4, the writer begins to, or rather begins to make a very interesting comparison. Okay? The verse 2 thereof, he said, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Praise God. Who is the them? The children of Israel. To those who the original promise was made. Praise God. And it says, But the word which they heard did not profit them. Hallelujah. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Praise God. In other words, why I say that this was very, very interesting is because when you begin to look at or begin to analyze the nature of the word of God, you begin to understand that in the genetic makeup of God's word, God's word was designed to accomplish anything that he speaks of. Praise God. God's word is designed by nature to accomplish anything God has said. If you look at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, the Bible says that what, and God said what, let there be light. Praise God. And all of a sudden, what happened? There was light. Praise God. Okay? And the Hebrews chapter 4 that we began to read, verse 12 of it, is giving us the nature of the word of God. And it says that the word of God is living. And what? Powerful. And is sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul, the bone and the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts of man. Praise God. Now look at how interesting the amplified version puts it. It says for the word of God or the word that God speaks. Praise God. The word that God speaks. In other words, the word of God is not empty. It's designed to fulfill anything. Just the way you clap and you expect to hear a sound. The way God speaks, it expects to create or to manifest anything he has said. And so here he says, for the word of God or for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Praise God. The word of God is what? Alive and full of power. In other words, anybody who is able to capture the word of God is what? Full of what? Power. And it says it is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, which is the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of the joints and of the marrow, of the deepest part of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts of the purposes of those who hear it. Hallelujah. In other words, any time God's word, or rather any time someone takes hold of the word of God and it does not deliver on what it has said, it is not that God had lied, but the problem lies with the person. Praise God. Now you may be wondering, why do I have to say this? This was God speaking to Isaiah in Isaiah 55. A very, very interesting scripture from verse 10. It says, for as the rain, you know, one of the things I love about God is this. You know, um, I think it was in the book of Matthew. Matthew was describing Jesus and he said that when Jesus, when Christ was here on the earth, 
he did not at any point in time explain anything to his disciples except through the use of parables. Praise God. And why did he use parables? Because the mind of man could not comprehend the things God was saying. So for example, just the way I need to explain things to my children, I might have to use cartoon characters or whatever it is so that they can be able to understand it. That is the same way God began to use parables to explain his ideas or thoughts towards us as his creation. And so when God begins to use nature, the reason why is because at least we can understand how nature operates. And so here he says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And he says, in that same way, have you ever seen rain fall and rain goes back? It has never happened. It would defy nature. At least, I'm yet to see it happen at any point in time. Where you begin to see snow fall backwards. Praise God. It has never happened. And so God begins to say that just the same way rain would fall and would not reverse back to the sky. That is the same way my word is. And it says, so shall my word be that goes first from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things in which I sent it. Praise the Lord. And so we see here that God's word is true. God's word is living. It is powerful. And the design of God's word is that you and I are supposed to embrace this word wherein we are able to do what? Exploits in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But again, what then is the problem? What then is the problem? Because we realize here that when the writer of Hebrew was making that comparison, if you look at it in the verse 2, it says here that for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. These were two categories of people. They stayed in church. They were in church together. Praise God. Same gospel, nothing new, no revised standard version. The same gospel. However, one benefited and one was at a loss. What was the difference? The Bible said that the reason why it did not accomplish was because it was not mixed with faith. Praise God. That the reason why you would have two people sit down under the same roof, under the same teacher, under the same atmosphere and yet the results that both people accomplish are two different things the bible is saying that the only reason that is the case is nothing but what faith praise god so therefore that tells me that mathematically speaking anytime i want to enter into rest anytime i want to see god's promises for my life or anything concerning me be made manifest all i need to do is to have what the word of god mixed with my faith is what equals to my reality praise god god's word mixed with my faith is what gives birth to the reality of what god has said in other words and i say this without any bias or whatever it is Take, for instance, someone who is sick and is trusting God for healing. 
You see, I'm one of those that believe that it is not God's design that we carry sickness. It's my conviction. Praise God. You see, I came on Instagram the other day and I saw this guy that I highly respect, you know. And he began to say that, you know, that he suffers from a chronic illness and that does not make God a liar. True. However, he's saying that, oh, he's against preachers who preach that sickness is not, is not part of God's plan. But that's what it is. It's not according to design because if sickness was supposed to be the idea of God, why was Jesus going about doing what? Doing good and healing all manner of diseases. Why? He might as well just said, you know what? Oh, God bless you and I'll see you in heaven. At least go there and wait for me. Praise God. And so we understand that any point in time, God's word is capable of delivering anything. And I mean without any bars held. Anything God's word says, God is capable of delivering. Praise the Lord. And so again, my, my faith, or rather my hearing of God's word, mixed with my faith in God, is capable of doing anything that God's word says. And so regardless of anybody's situation i'm not disrespecting anybody or whatever it is but this is just scripture praise god because the bible says in romans 4, i think it was romans 3 verse 4 it says let god be true and every man a liar praise god let god's word be true so therefore anytime we try the word of god and it doesn't work it's not god but me that is one thing that you and I must settle. It is never God. Because if it was God, then he wouldn't have been resting. Praise God. I remember then, whenever I'm going to school, in secondary school, my dad always used to say something because I dread those days. Because I'm one of those that words mean more to me than physical pain or whatever it is. I'd rather you hit me physically than abuse me. Praise God. It's just my nature. Words mean a lot to me. And so my dad was one of those people that, you know, whenever he called you to speak to you, I'd rather him spank me than talk to me. Because I would be sh- I would be sobbing. My dad would just be speaking to you and you will see your life in a mirror. I'm like, man. And then I wasn't doing so well in school. Praise God. So you understand why I had to have the lecture. You know, and so he will speak to me, advise me, and I'll be sobbing. I'm like, I've got to get my acts together. And one of the things that my dad always used to say to me is this. I have done my part. Everything a father can do, I have done. I've sent you to the best schools. I've paid your school fees. You don't lack anything. Whatever you want to make of your life, the ball is what? In your court. That statement never made sense to me until I started watching tennis. Praise God. In other words, your coach can do everything you can do in practice. But when the game starts, it's just you and the ball. Praise God. And so you begin to see the image of God in our creation. And so every time the word of God does not work, it is not God. It is never God. God is never to be blamed. The question is, what am I not doing right? Praise God. And so today we begin to look at what is it, what does it mean? What is faith? 
Praise God. Because if we're saying that faith is the basis upon which we enter the rest. In other words, that rest is the thing that God has ordained for you and I. That we enter into that rest. That it takes faith to enter it. What then is faith? Hebrews 11 chapter 1 begins to tell us an, a story. And it says, now, faith is the substance. Praise God. Faith is the substance. In other words, anything that you, that you say is the substance is tangible. You can hold it. Praise God. Okay? And it says, now, faith is the substance, the realization of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It says, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Praise God. So therefore, if you are going to put the life of any Christian under observation, for someone who you would say that, oh wow, this guy is really doing remarkable things for God. If you look at their lives, before any manifestation, the substance of what you can see has to be faith. Praise the Lord. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. In other words, if you're trusting God for anything, and I say it, anything according to his word, before that thing will ever be your reality, you need to question yourself, where is my faith concerning this? Praise God. No matter whatever it is, I don't care whatever it is. If you're trusting God for anything, before its manifestation, faith must be present. Because the Bible said that what? It was through faith that our elders, the fathers of faith, the patriarchs, those who were martyred, this was how they obtained what they obtained. Praise God. All those parting of the Red Sea, all those turning water into wine, or anything you can imagine through scripture, faith was already at the forefront. The Bible said that Noah, being warned of God, in holy fear moved. Praise God. Noah had never seen rain fall in his life. Could you imagine? I don't know what rain looks like, but God said it's going to rain. And for 120 years, I'm building that ark. People, people are walking past. What are you doing? God said it's going to rain. I'm building an ark. People will mock you. People will make fun of you. But yet, God said it's going to rain. Praise the Lord. And so here, it's saying that the word was preached to us. But yet, they did not enter, but I entered. Praise God. A man of God said that faith is being fully persuaded by the truth. Praise God. Faith is being fully persuaded with the truth. The prevailing circumstances notwithstanding until the truth triumphs. Praise God. Being fully persuaded by the truth. What is truth? Truth is anything that God has said. Praise God. Being fully persuaded by the truth. By the truth. The prevailing, you know, sometimes when God makes a promise, God's promise to us is never taken into account 
whatever is happening around us. Never. And that is the beauty of God's word, that the God, the word of God never takes into consideration. I'll give you a good example. If I wanted to borrow money from someone, right? First of all, I will size them up. Based on how I see them would determine how much I can ask. In other words, the extent to which I'm making a demand on them is based on what I can see around them. Praise God. And so those factors could be where they live, the kind of job they have, the kind of car that they drive, what they're wearing, whatever it is. Then that would give an idea, maybe, maybe all things being equal, assuming he's not faking it to make it. At least he should have a certain amount of money. And so for that reason, I'm making that amount, I'm making that demand. But you see, when God is promising, he doesn't take into account whatever is happening around you. And that is why the beauty of God is that he will see someone who is barren and say, you are with children. You are wondering me. He will come to Mary and say, Oh Mary, blessed art thou with child. And Mary is asking, Based on the biological nature of life, I must be with someone before I can have a child. But God is saying, no, I don't need that. Praise God. Am I making sense? And so you realize that when you are saying that you are being fully persuaded by what God has said, regardless of what is happening around me, regardless of what is happening around me, I choose to believe God. I'll give you a fantastic example. Now, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 4, it began to give us an image of this Abraham, of this Abraham of a man. The reason why we call him the father of faith. After all, why, why is he being called the father of faith? Romans chapter 4, from verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, can you imagine? For 90 something years, you have no child. But God is saying, I've made you a father of nations. Praise God. He says, in the presence of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to hope, in hope did what? Believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in what? Faith. He did not consider his own body fully persuaded by the truth. Already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being what? Fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him as righteousness. Praise God. Regardless of what was happening in the surrounding, I choose to believe God. You see, the man of God, Smith Wigglesworth, always said that, you know, God is looking for men and women who are willing to take risks on his behalf. Those who are willing to say that if God said it, I choose to be foolish for Jesus. That whatever it will cost me, my pride, whatever it is, let them mock me. But I know that my God would make true his promise. 
Praise God. And so if God is promising us rest, then we must realize that for us to enter that rest of God, then we must become to that place where we are fully assured of what God has promised. For God is not a liar. Now that son of man that he should repent, whatever he says he will do. You see, many a times, myself inclusive, we love to constrain God with this aspect of time. So for instance, a lady is trusting God to have children. And she knows that medically speaking, before you get to 40, is the timeline that God has to do what he has to do. But who told you that's, that's the story? Praise God. Or for someone who is trusting God for, I can't imagine, a, a job or whatever. I can't, anything you're willing to believe God for. You know, I often say that God is only responsible for what you believe him for. Praise God. God is only held responsible for what you and I believe him for. And so therefore, if we believe God for nothing, God does nothing. Praise God. Regardless of whatever we believe, God still remains what? God. So we begin to look now, why then is faith so important? Why is it so important? I said here that faith cannot be faked. Praise God. We cannot fake it. You see, I read my Bible sometime and I saw in Hebrews chapter 11... Um, I don't have it on the slide, but I'll just read it uh, quickly. Hebrews chapter 11, for anybody that is there, please. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. Hebrews eleven twenty-nine. The reason why I say faith is, why is faith important? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. Okay. And I read. It says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they drowned. Praise God. You see, one took the step of faith. The other didn't. One survived, the other died. You see, that's why you cannot afford to fake it. It's either you have it or you don't. And if you don't, then you must make every attempt to ensure that our faith is intact. And that is why faith is a responsible, is an individual journey. It's a journey. It's not collective. It's not collective. If it was collective, then everyone that the gospel was preached to would be saved. As free as salvation is, the Bible said that what to everyone who believes, you must first of all do what? Confess with your mouth. And then you believe in your heart. Only then will you be saved. And so when you look at this faith of a thing, then you understand fully well that it must be something that you and I must have. Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 2 to 6, it says, For by it, by, by it, our elders obtained a good report. But without faith, what? It is impossible. Impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Praise God. So quickly, what are the enemies of our faith? This is one thing that you and I must begin to watch out for. What are the enemies of our faith? Number one is unbelief. Number one is unbelief. 
God said it, but that's true, but I don't believe it. You know, I remember sharing a testimony with someone that I've heard testimonies of God turning somebody's, I think it was my mom that I was telling you. And I was saying that I have heard testimonies of God changing someone's genotype from SS to AA. And she was saying, nah, that's not biologically possible. Praise God. Unbelief. Praise God. And the reality of it is God still remains God. God still remains God. Praise the Lord. Number two, for the sake of time, is worry. You see, the, the comparison between worry and faith is that they use the same energy. Praise God. The same medium through which you and I have faith is the same medium through which we worry. But the only that we worry based on two certain, we worry and we have faith based on two different things. We worry based on what we hear and what we see. We have faith based on what we hear and what we see. And so the question is, what are we hearing and what are we seeing? Praise God. What are we hearing and what are we seeing? And I said in my notes that every warrior has the great capacity to, to be an individual of faith. For faith and fear use the same energy, but different outcomes. Feed your faith with the word of God and you will achieve what you desire. Feed your fear by focusing on your present circumstances and what you fear most will become the obvious. Praise God. Just like the story of Job. Job said that the greatest thing that I have feared has come upon me. Although the Bible used that to give us an example, but I believe truly that that was not the intent of God. But the Bible says that what all things work together for them that love God and accord according to his purpose. Number three is intellectualism. We live in a generation where we question everything. Praise God. But the reality of it is if you must believe God, then you must be foolish. Praise God. If you are willing to believe God, then you must be foolish. Because the reality of it is our generation believe in a God that they can see. But the Bible said that we believe in a God that by faith, we believe that this world that we are living in was framed by the words of God. Hallelujah. And so therefore, you meet people that say, oh no, I believe in science. But you see, the reality of science is that I say it, that science is just man's way of explaining what God has already done. That's science. Because you're studying the ins and the outs, the beginning and the ending to see how this thing works. But if we're dealing with God, then we must be willing to acknowledge that our knowledge is only but limited. I recall a case in scripture, 2 Kings chapter 4 from verse 1. Sorry, 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 1. The Bible said that there was great famine in the land. And the man of God said that by this time tomorrow, things are going to change. An economist said, even if it was so, even if God was to open the windows of heaven, it can never be. Praise God. Not with God. Not with God. What? Remember I said, every time you look at the promise of God, imagine if rain can go back. If you have never seen that happen, so is the word of God. It must accomplish the thing which it has spoken of. But it would take you and I to believe it totally. And I end with this statement. It says there are four principles we need to maintain. Number one is to first read the word of God. That is the only way through which faith can come. We cannot have faith 
through observing the, the nature of, or rather our surroundings. No. Faith, if it's God kind of faith, faith can only come by what? Hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. Number two is that you must do what? Consume the word of God until what? It consumes you. And this is where the Holy Spirit is there to help. Because the Bible said that when the spirit of truth shall come, he will what? Guide you into all truths. The devil cannot steal the truth that you know. Praise God. The devil cannot steal the truth that you know. Praise God. And that is why it is relevant that you and I do what? Give ourselves wholly to the word of God. And it says number three is to do what? Believe the word of God. And number four is to act on the word of God. Any word that you believe and you have not acted upon is that you don't truly believe. Remember I said that when you read Hebrews 11, all those testimonies we read and we are inspired started at the beginning of it was faith. Praise God. And so for that reason, if you truly claim that you believe God, then you must take steps in what God is asking us to do. Because only then are we able to see the manifestation of God's promise. I remember reading the book of Joshua. The Bible says that Joshua got to the river of Jericho and he told the priests who were carrying the Ark of Covenant that they should step into the water. Praise God. And I realized that it was only upon till they took their step, the first step, the river did not part. But many of us will say, Lord, part of the river, then I will cross. Praise God. But God is saying, take the first step and see if I will let you drown. Because I know the God in whom I have believed. Because this God that we are talking about here is he says what he means and he means what he says. If God has said it, it will surely come to pass. The only thing is, how well do you and I believe God? And I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit, who is there to expose us to the deep mysteries of God, would open us up to this word of God. That you and I come to the place where we are fully assured that God would not leave nor forsake us. Let us bow our heads even as we pray. You know, like I said earlier on, the only way through faith can come is by hearing the word of God. The Bible says that indeed that the word of God was preached to them as it was to us. But it didn't profit them because it was not mixed with faith. The reality of it is that this experience only starts with making Jesus your Lord and your personal Savior. And so perhaps you're here and you are yet to accept this Lord Jesus as your Lord. Why don't you say this prayer with me? Because that's the basis upon which this beautiful journey starts. Just say with me, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you died for me on the cross of Calvary. And on the third day, you rose again. I confess myself before you as a sinner. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me with your blood. And cause me to walk in the reality of the new creation. Even as I call you my Lord and my personal Savior. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, amen. Everlasting Father God in heaven, I thank you for your word that you have made life to us, O God. 
my father my god in heaven i pray for everyone that is believing for one thing or the other your word says in the book of psalm 34 verse 5 that they unto you and they were radiant and they were no longer ashamed i pray for that grace upon our lives oh god that lord it will be said of us that we trusted you to the very end and that your name was glorified in our lives in the name of jesus thank you almighty god in heaven in jesus mighty and matchless name we have prayed